welcome to the panel uh, in the international. Quite a bit of feedback regarding the protests. Uh, Wallace, I think we run the risk of tarring all the protesters with the same brush. I think a lot of these with uh, genuine beliefs and concerns have gone and the renter mob rabble are left with their unacceptable behaviours and responses, says Debbie. Uh, had more than enough of the freeloaders forcing themselves on the rest of the population who have supported vaccinations and mandates to keep these freeloaders safe. So uh, quite a response t- to that and I appreciate it. Now police uh, have made uh, dozens of arrests today as part of the pre-planned operation to remove protesters from Parliament. It's day 23 of the occupation. There have been really intense scuffles uh, between protesters and police um, for a lot of the day, actually, with riot shields outside the Parliamentary Library co- uh, uh, complex next to Parliament buildings. And the tent has been burning rapidly as protesters have thrown fuel on the flames, including mattresses, signs being thrown to the fire as well. And with us now we have RNZ's uh, political reporter, Jane Patterson. Kia ora, Jane. You're there right now. Tell us, keep us up to date. What's happening there now? Kia ora, Wallace. Well, you can smell the smoke that is now permeating through Parliament. Scenes of absolute chaos out on the front lawn The police began the push about an hour ago, starting at the edge of the lawn, pushing right through to start to remove tents. And as they got to about the middle of the lawn, um, a tent or something else was set on fire. Fuel was added to it. It became quite big and the fire service had to come out, um, drag hoses across the lawn to put it out. But as the police were advancing, there were explosions, maybe gas bottles that were being um, thrown onto the fire. Then a second fire broke out under the large tree just where the parliamentary playground is. Again, it looked like it was a tent or something that then had more fuel thrown onto it. The police, though, have steadily marched across. They've progressed across the most of the parliamentary lawn, but things are getting really tense now. The protesters are being pushed back to the side of the precinct down towards the cenotaph, but there are still a lot of people here, and they're now being, uh, you know, as said, pushed down and, and grouped together. A lot of aggro, a lot of abuse at police, and yeah, a pretty chaotic scenes. Goodness me, uh, from what I can see anyway, I'm not there, Jane, but uh, from what I can tell, the fire is not under control. Is that uh, what you see? That's the second one, yeah. So the first ah. one was put out and there's just a huge, big, black, charred hole in the middle of the lawn. So right. that'll be the second fire, Wallace. So, yeah, the, as I said, every you know couple of minutes we ah. hear um, explosions. We've got police running past us now um, to another situation by the look of it. Um, but yeah, that, that looks like the second fire. Um, and as I said, people are throwing stuff onto it. But there are firefighters out there with um, big hoses, so that should be brought under control. But a frightening situation with these explosions going on as well. Um, and it's really quite, quite dangerous out there at the moment. You mentioned just before, um, Jane, that the mood of the protesters is really quite ugly. So uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, aggression is there. There's a lot of anger there still. Yeah, and look, this is the last hardcore of protesters. And we've you know, had the um, police commissioner talk about the behaviour of, of the um, protesters over the, or the protest mm. over the last couple of days that flipped the balance so they're sort of split into two. There's a big um, angry crowd out on Molesworth Street who are still facing off a big line of police who are moving down Molesworth Street, pushing them back. And then inside the precinct, in a, in a sort of second operation, um, riot police and hundreds of officers are moving across the lawn and 
people are, you know, <laughs> are obviously upset, they're angry, um, and, you know, there's been a lot of physical confrontation between the police and protesters. The police have had a lot of stuff hurled at them. We've seen traffic cones, we've seen wood being thrown at them from the crowd. So, yeah, very, very tense and still extremely volatile. Just finally, Jane, before we leave you, uh, is there? So you 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 mentioned so much of the protest that they've, they've packed up, they've gone away, they've they've gone home, or whatever. Um, how much smaller is the protest? What are we talking about? Uh, from what you can gather, is it two, three hundred people, or what? Look, it's it's difficult to tell, Wallace, because of the tents, and we don't actually know whether all of the tents still on Parliament's lawn were still actually being occupied or whether people had up sticks and just left them there. So it's been quite hard to gauge. So um, the police had said that it was down to a hard core of two or 300. It always swells at the weekends, but I, I think that's probably the number that they're talking about. But a comment, again, made by Commissioner um, Andrew Costa today that they've, built, they've brought in a, a number of police staff from around the country and today felt that they actually had the numbers that they needed to do this very physical, very big removal of this protest. Kia ora, Jane. Thank you for your time. That is uh, Jane Patterson, uh, NZ's senior political reporter there. If you are indeed, as I said earlier, watching uh, from afar and from a safe distance, maybe from a window, you're in the area. Um, what, are you, what are you seeing? Get in touch with us, 2101. And uh, if we need to, we'll come back to that uh, protests happening live now. Uh, pretty intense scenes. They've got a hard core of protesters now, about two or three hundred, as Jane says there, uh, on Parliament grounds. A fire still going. Well, a rise in concerning behaviour among protesters triggered today's decision by police to move in to try to clear roads around Parliament grounds. Uh, police Commissioner Andrew Costa said that we've become concerned that those with good intentions are now outnumbered by those with the willingness to use violence to affect their means. And asked why it's taken so long uh, for this action, Costa says they have been trying de-escalation. Now the balance has tipped. Our next guest has written uh, a very interesting item uh, in today. Uh, in the conversation, uh, the extremism visible at Parliament process has been growing in New Zealand for years. Is enough being done? Paul Spoonley is distinguished professor at Massey University. Professor Spoonley, kia ora. Uh, kia ora, Wallace. Well, so just on that, just on the moment, I uh, don't know if you're following these scenes right now. I am, I am, and I visited the Picton camp, um, protest camp yesterday and had a, had a look there. You mentioned, uh, look in this piece, that this anti-authority conspiratorial mix of views, as we see, you know, the anti-UN bring down government, anti-5G vaccines, they form a loose community that has been around longer than we might think? Yes. I mean, if, if you look at the origins of some of these groups who've uh, ended up at uh, Parliament, then you'd go back into the anti-5G, the anti-1080 protests that have been going on for some time. So, so these politics have been sort of growing and accumulating. And then I think in the 2020 election, we had a number of minor parties that gave voice to these, particularly in terms of the COVID response. So I, I think we should agree that we need to debate the vaccine mandates and what freedom might mean. But you began to see a rather ugly side, to use Jane's word there, uh, beginning to emerge during the election campaign. And of course, it, it, it's grown. And I think it's there are some things that I, I noticed yesterday, Wallace. Mm. One was that the camp wasn't particularly welcoming. I mean, 
the, the language, the signage is very, very focused, particularly on our Prime Minister. And, and the some of the comments are deeply offensive. The anti-Semitism I find deeply offensive in some of the comments that are made there. But it's very um, American-inflected. So there's a lot of QAnon stuff that's suddenly begun to appear. And um, I, I think it's... Um, What's happening in Parliament today, I think, is was probably inevitable. I think the the clash between these anti-authority, anti-government um, protesters, and particularly the activists, and and, and of course the police, uh, was has been coming for some time. That's an interesting observation, Sarah Spark. Just bring you in. You got a thought? You got a question? I agree. In in totality i mean i I read the um the article and i you know i was thinking too around the age groups involved in in the disempowerment and what how some humans respond when they feel disempowered and they get violent and then others respond in a different way so it's quite an it's interesting to to watch this play out but yeah terrible scenes just terrible yes and sarah i mean these are people who don't trust um, our government. They don't trust liberal democracies. They don't trust the police. They don't trust the media. So it's difficult to know what language or values we have in common with some of them in order to have a conversation about how you bring them back into the tent. And so I, I find it very difficult when I get asked, what should we do? I'm actually not sure what we can do. Scott Campbell. Yeah, I was just going to say, Paul, so was today essentially inevitable, given the fact that, you know, I think when you look at the last sort of 20, 23 days, you had those people who turned up who were probably the legitimate protesters there around the anti-mandates, whereas now, I like the terminology there, the activists, we've just got people who are, this reminds me of the siege on Capitol Hill and that type of thing. Was was today inevitable? Because you're never going to get to a, an outcome, an agreed outcome with these types of people, are you? No, no, you're not. And I think this is our this is our siege, um, Scott. I think this is our moment where we saw the sort of ugly side of these. So, you know, I, I want to acknowledge the well-intentioned people who want to talk about freedom and who want to talk about how vaccine mandates divide our community in various ways. But these are not them. These are people who've who've been their, their political views have been honed by a particular extreme from America. Um, a particular sort of QAnon view of the world. And so they don't trust anybody. And it's that lack of trust. It's that um, vitriol, it's that hatred which has been expressed. And you can see it today. Hey, by the way, Scott, I, I need to talk to you about the books you didn't read when you were at Mass University. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were definitely not ones that were in your um, lectures. Oh, okay. Exactly. They told me that off air. Um, <laughs> hey, now, uh, Paul, we're actually, uh, in- interestingly about this, because we are getting, uh, you know, RNZ seen as mainstream, we are getting a lot of uh, texts as well saying uh, you should be telling the truth about this uh, and, you know, don't believe what you're saying. Um, and, no, and no, you, and, you keep and, going. Wallace, uh, well, no, Wallace, I mean, I speak, I speak on your program, but I've written this thing today. My inbox is filling, and some of the people I will respond to because they make good points, even though they've got a different view to me. But it's the, it's the threats, it's the, um, you know, the, 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 the vitriol. I used the word vitriol before. It's the vitriol that, that you get um, online. And, and, you know, what we're seeing in, in Wellington is only a small part. There was a very interesting study done last year by the Institute of Strategic Dialogue for the Department of Internal Affairs. 
the number of people who visit far-right Facebook sites in this country is double the number in Australia and triple the number, per population, of course, uh, of Canada. So there is an online world that we now have got, which we need to acknowledge and which is, you know, it's difficult to know how we engage with the, some of those people that are a part of that world. You say just finally uh, that there has been some good media coverage, some very good media coverage in this, uh, but there has been a sense of playing catch-up. What do you mean by this? Well, I, I, when, we, when, we had the, um, when we had the Christchurch mosque shooting, I wrote about the loss of our naivety in terms of never believing that something like that could happen in New Zealand. And I think something of the same sort has happened here in Parliament, that the media thought these were legitimate protesters who were making a point and they would, um, they would engage with our political processes and with our media. And what we've seen over the 23 days is that we're not talking about people who, who share liberal political values, who share a belief in a political system, even if we, you know, don't, we, we, we favour one side or another. So, um, and I think the media uh, were, um, I was going to use the word soft, and I think that's being a little unfair. They didn't really tell us that there was an extreme core that was very much defining these, uh, these protests. Nice to have you on the program, Professor Paul Spoonley, Distinguished Professor at uh, Massey University, just on the back of these protests there. So uh, as you all now by now, there is um, an intense situation there. Uh, at Parliament Grounds, uh, the fire is still burning. An update from uh, an official update from police just a f- three minutes ago. Police are this afternoon removing some of the makeshift infrastructure from the protest area around Parliament. Structures such as tents, gazebos and toilets have been removed by Police. 20 past four, the panel are in Z National. Lovely to have you company, but uh, if you are around the country, there'll be other pressing issues on your mind as well, including our home where we had to rush out and get a rapid antigen test. My Facebook feed is filled with people who are trying to get value for money on these rats. That is the other big issue that's happening to uh, many many thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people this afternoon. And at this stage in the Omicron wave, many of us are trying to get hands on these uh, on these items. But according to the findings of a Consumer NZ investigation just released a couple of hours ago, the price of these tests vary greatly between stores. With us is Consumer NZ's head of content, Caitlin Cherry, on the line from Wellington to share the results. Caitlin, kia ora. Kia ora. Yeah, so, we found um, they range yeah. from about $6.40 um, per test up to $19 a test. 19 Six. Mm-hmm. How can such a range be justified? Well, retailers are actually free to charge what they want for items. But in this situation, we take a pretty dim view of any business that's seeking to make a profit or an excessive profit in a pandemic like this. Uh, these are unusual times and even Ashley Bloomfield has indicated that he thinks that the price of these tests should be less than $10 each. Is price gouging, do you think there is an issue around price gouging here? That we're not seeing a massive pattern at the moment. We've done, uh, we've checked a range of pharmacies and retailers around the country. We obviously haven't gone to every single one um, and we've found most are falling in the sort of Six to thirteen dollar range, 
Um, but and we haven't seen the kind of price, gouge, price gouging we saw in Australia. So in Australia, ah. um, they went up to about $70 each in some cases. And the ACCC, which is their equivalent of the Commerce Commission, actually stepped in after getting uh, nearly 2,000 complaints. And they've set a rule that means that retailers can't sell them for more than 20% markup. Oh, okay. $70. Good grief. Sarah Sparks, have you bought Spark, rather? Have you bought um, a rat yet? No, I haven't. Uh, but I like what the Australians are doing yeah. because I'm just thinking about the uh, inequity and what's going to happen. You know, those that can afford it are going to be able to to buy it, and those that don't have any putia won't. So, well, I, just- I should jump in here and say that you they are available for free for people who have symptoms. You just have to call your GP or mm. local health centre, and they're also available if you're a household contact. So you can get free tests. These are really for people who, say, went to the gym, found out someone at the gym had it, and just for their peace of mind would like to get a rat test. Yeah, nonetheless, though, because I've got actually someone uh, texted Paul, Wallace, I've been helping out at a pharmacy in Rotorua, and the rats tests are free if you're symptomatic or a household contact of a positive case. Nonetheless, uh, Caitlin, if you need to pay 10 bucks a pop. Uh, and actually, that's what we found today, uh, a household who could afford it. Um, Tab rang and said, oh, goodness, they're not cheap, you know, so uh, there, is, there, is a, there is a price there. There is a, uh, you know, there's impediment, isn't there? There is, but um, at the same time, people are also encouraged not to just use them for no yeah, reason. You true. should really be using a rat test uh, if you have symptoms or if you've been exposed to COVID, but just doing willy-nilly testing is going to be quite expensive. Um, and you, yeah, and so following the kind of protocols will hopefully mean we have enough for everybody. Scott? Yeah, I was just going to say, Caitlin, so um, some people will say, well, this is just the market and you know, you'll be able to shop around and, and go and have a look. But how, how concerned are you at what you're seeing at the moment? Like you said, that we're not as bad as Australia, but uh, could we get there? Well, the worst, the highest price was an online um, shop. And I have to say, we commend the uh, bigger retailers like Foodstuffs and Warehouse Stationery who are selling them for cost price. <sighs> Very good, uh, Caitlin. So uh, but finally, let's not hope it gets to the toilet paper stage. Uh, someone suggested this is the new toilet paper. Let's not hope that that happens. <laughs> yeah. Very good, Caitlin Sherry there, Consumer uh, NZ Head of Content there. Um, it's, um, it's, it's certainly been a new phase of the pandemic, hasn't it, uh, uh, Scott? You know, you, 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 you feel that you might have symptoms, you go to a pharmacy, you come home, do the test yourself, put the swab in. Um, are, you, are you a brave person to put that, that, that swab in the nose? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I actually had the scenario last couple of days. I had to go and grab a rat <laughs> test myself. Um, you know, woke up on, on Monday morning not feeling so well. Chest was a little bit heavy after I'd done a workout. And I thought, oh, mm. do I, don't I? Um, and after a couple of hours, I think I'd almost talked myself into needing to going to get one. So I did. Um, and I... I didn't realise you still had to shove the thing up your nose. <laughs> and it was at that point I thought, maybe I'm not as sick as I actually thought. <laughs> it's good that they're around, though. Yeah. The panel, RNZ uh, National, 25 past four. A bit of feedback. Uh, Paul Spoonley re-mentioned the books uh, issue. Sandra says, perhaps store books in a storage unit, keeping shelving for, say, 50, charge 
as, sorry, change is preferred. A book lover to pay a storage. What is no book lover purging? No more than 50 garments, including shoes, asked Sandra. Someone says, when we moved to our tiny house, we kept a few books, grew Kindle collection and gave the lion's share to our friends. That way, they don't feel too removed and it's nice to see them in friends' houses. Lovely thought. Stuart, though, says, you can judge a man by his library, Wallace, if a cluttered bookshelf is a sign of a cluttered mind. What is an empty bookshelf a sign of? And John says, leave books behind. Sorry, I don't have a room. I don't have room in my life for that sort of negativity. And just uh, an update uh, regarding the protests in Parliament. Uh, smoke is flooding from the cenotaph area as some protesters leave. A protester just grabbed a mattress that was on fire and spread it around further. A bonfire seems to be starting. A protester at the site says he is leaving because the fire took it too far, quoting, all we wanted to do was to talk to Jacinda, mate. Uh, reports um, stuff. 27 past four, the panel. I just wanted to bring this up just as a, a, a thought idea. It was a very interesting article from the BBC. Are younger generations truly weaker than older ones? The stereotype remains alive and well. In 2017, real estate Tim Mogul suggested that young people spend too much money on avocado and toast. It's a phrase that became famous. But it's a question posed by a recent item in the BBC, which just ponders that idea whether there is any truth in the idea that millennials and Gen Z are weaker than boomers or Gen X. Not saying they are, just posing that notion. What do you reckon, Sarah? It's just... Is this just an old school way of thinking? Uh, well, I think that the millennials, is, they're trying to figure out their personal truth. And that's because they're the ones that grew up with the internet and screen time, and they've got all this plethora of information coming at them and how they should be and belief structures. So, you know, I can see how that does affect them so, and uh, can can cause them to give up sometimes too uh, or not be their true selves and you know Gen Z the the Zoomers I mean they've been on tech their whole lives and it was interesting I did some research into uh, what they're going to experience in in their lifetime and there's some study through the Pew Research Group in the States saying they're going to experience extreme weather patterns and having to cope with that and I just think that again they're learning about like we all do, I guess, when we reflect back, actions and consequences from choices, right? So, yeah. yeah. Scott, yeah, but, but back, what did I but think? Back in, our, back in our day, though, Wallace, we, yeah. we, you know, used to jump off the jungle gym, no worries at all, and, yeah. you know, run, run around bare feet and not worry about bull rush and those sorts of things. Yes. But I think my dad used to say the same thing about back in his day when he used to run <laughs> around with no shoes. And isn't it, aren't we, aren't our kids going to say the same thing to these and, and, and so on? I, I, I think we just, you know, we're, we're strong and we like to think that things are really tough back in our days, uh, but were they? I'm not sure. And that's what the uh, article kind of alludes to. People have complained about younger generations for thousands of years. In fact, looking down on the generation that comes after you might actually be uh, human nature. Um, But around the panel on this, Sarah, um, if you were 18 again, would you do anything differently? Would you want to be 18 again? Uh, No, I wouldn't. And I've got to say that I made some very wise decisions then. Mm. 
that upon reflection, the way that I arrived at them as a 52-year-old, I'd used the same really? approach. Yeah, first thought, pure thought, more instinctual. Whereas when you're older, you get more cautious and then you get too, you know, over-analyzed, you know, uh, analysis paralysis. So that, yeah, definitely. What about you, Scott? You know, you wouldn't have bull rush. You wouldn't have the jungle gym where you just would hit your head on concrete. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have uh, just hanging out uh, outside the video store. You wouldn't have all, all of that. But would you go back to being 18 again? Um, some of it, I think. There's, there's elements of it. Oh, no, no regrets on where I am. I think mm-hmm. I would probably trust. What I, what I would tell my 18-year-old self yeah. would be trust your gut, live every day, make it all count, um, and, and just not overthink too much about you know what's in front of you. Yeah, nice one. You're on the panel, uh, NZ National, 29 to 5, uh, lots to come, including uh, we talked about this massive IPCC report yesterday that uh, said that every added fraction of a degree of heating narrows the options people have for adapting. The authors said, well, there is one company that is making a small step, very small step, but it is something. We have that uh, in the next half hour.